Praise the Lord. All right. Who here knows that the Word of God is alive? Anybody? The Word of God is alive. It's living. It's active. The written Word of God and the embodiment that we call Christ, we call our Lord, we call Jesus. We who confess Christ know that God's Word is the plumb line for our lives. His Word is true no matter what we think. His Word is true no matter what we believe. His Word is true no matter what we've been taught. His Word is true, period. Now, in a, in a world that's full of, uh, what do you call it, ambiguity, in a world that's full of uh, balances, well, it's true for you, but it's not true for me, this relativism that's in our world, it's been crept into the church, and God doesn't like it. I can tell you that for sure, all right? And as His people that meet in this building, we need to stand firm upon what? Our own thoughts, our own beliefs, or His Word? Where's the foundation? His Word. Where's the foundation? Christ our Lord. And those of us who confess Christ are instructed to follow what is written in God's Word. We're not given any other instructions. In fact, in His Word, it is written 13 times, keep my commandments. Even the one we call Jesus said those very words, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Okay? This is New Testament, not Old Testament. What's implied there is that we follow His commandments above all others. We follow His teaching above all others. We don't allow anything to get between us and what He has taught for us to do or not to do. He wants us to be His people who love Him supremely, and that's His Word. It's not my Word. It's not what I want to say. It's what He says in His Word, that book that we call the Bible. The living, active Word of Almighty God works together with His Holy Spirit. And He manifests the life that we live in Christ. Remember that Christ is the living embodiment of God's Word. As we live and breathe on this earth, He transforms us. He takes us from what we were and conforms us into the image of Christ. He's the potter, we're the clay. He molds us. He makes us in the image of Christ, so long as we surrender. If we resist, we get hurt. That's the truth. And I'm living proof of that. You know, our Lord said, a good tree does not bear bad fruit. We, as those Christians, those trees, we're bearing Christ-like fruit, and that is the fruit of selflessness. He was not selfish at all. Every tree is known by its fruit, he said, for men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. That means people, okay? All people, not just males, humans, okay? For out of the abundance of the heart, 
The mouth speaks. What's in the heart, in the core of the being, is what comes out of the mouth. Okay? What is in our heart comes out of our mouth. The selfish speak of self. It's unfortunate, but they run their lives for their selves. And we need not to be those people if we are, in fact, Christ-like. I want you to open your Bibles to the second chapter of Philippians. We're going to start with verse 1. Philippians chapter 2. You'll find that on page 1803 in those Bibles there in your seats, if you care to follow along in the book. 1803. I think it's helpful to read from the book. You see it's actually written because we could put anything we wanted up there. But if you find it in the book, now you know it is in the book. 1803. That's... Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, page 1803. I want you to hear what is written there. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. How many of you know that right now we are in one accord? We are in one accord, not a Honda accord. We're in this building together to worship Almighty God together as a body. We, the people in this building, are in one accord, okay? This is an answer to the Scripture that's written right here. And as we read on, it is written, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than their selves. That's a hard-hitting blow to the modern secular doctrine in the world, because the secular doctrine in the world is it's all about me. I. I. Is it any mistake that these are called I-phones? Is it any mistake that that thing's called an I-pad? It's not a mistake. It's deliberate. I. It appeals to the self. I. I. Me. My. All right? But the Word tells us, let each of us look not only for our own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, He, being in the form of God, did what? Did He boast? I am in the form of God. I am the Christ. No. No, in fact, he said, don't tell anybody this. Whenever they figured it out, he told people not to tell others because it wasn't time. He kept it to himself, and he kept it to his closest followers. He was the one, but he didn't want everybody to know. He wasn't boasting of himself. Let's go on. Don't look out for your own interests, but also the interests of others. Remember that he 
did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Now, look at how that has changed. The one man that almost everybody in the world knows of, the one who humbled himself to the point of death, almost everybody knows. And when everybody finds out, when we get to that last man or woman, he'll come back. We're getting close, but not yet. Taking the form of a bond servant. You know what a bond servant is? It's one who willingly gave themselves to another to serve as a slave. He gave himself to the Father, and he gave himself to the world to be the slave that would be the one who gave his life for the world. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Coming in the likeness of men. Okay, he came in the form of, taking the form of the bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And then the verse that I didn't include is verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... That's what is translated here, but his real name is Yahashua. At his name, every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every, every, it's not some, every, excuse me, my fingers aren't working well. Here we go. Every, come on, fingers, tongue should confess that he alone is Lord, Jesus the Christ. To the glory of God the Father. Father, we ask that you would add your blessing to the reading and hearing of your word. May we always stay true to it. Was this passage that we just read speaking to unbelievers? Anybody? Speaking to believers. Paul wrote the letter to the church in Philippi. It was to believers. He's saying to believers, don't be selfish. Be like Christ. Don't be selfish. Be like Christ. And he says it in different ways over and over and over. This is a very important message for the church today because we are living in a culture that is post-Christianity. We are no longer the dominant in this land especially. Although the faith of Christ is growing in many other lands, here it's really questionable whether it's actually growing. Believers are to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. That's what is written. That's what is written. Why do we have so much division in the body of Christ? We're supposed to be in one accord. Why do we have so much division? Who would bring division into the body of Christ? Be the enemy. Exactly. There's an old hymn that I love to sing that was written in 1907. And I remember that because I found it in 2007. Long scattered thy children, O Zion, have been, but now they are gathering home. The Spirit is calling, they gladly obey, with songs of rejoicing they come. 
Thy children are gathering home, with joy they are gathering home. From all the divisions in which they were scattered, thy children are gathering, everybody with me, home. Amen. You see, that's what I see in the body of Christ. God is building unity. And sometimes it takes things that are very difficult in our lives to pull us together. Praise be to Him. You know, this passage answers to Christ's prayer to the Father that's found in John chapter 17. He said, I want you all to be one. And he prayed to the Father and said, please, make them one like we are. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let him esteem others better than himself. Too often, church folk do exactly the opposite. And do you know they drive people away from Christ when they do that? Or we, being part of the body. Selfish ambition on the part of church people drives souls away. And that's sad. But it's plain and it's simple. And I believe this is part of the great delusion that God is throwing upon the church today. We think it's about us. And it's not just today. The last 50 years or so have been filled with all about me. In the last 20 years, it's gotten worse. In the last 10 years, it's gotten increasingly worse. I believe it's part of the great apostasy that's foretold, the falling away. We have a form of godliness, but we deny His power. It's written, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And how many of us know that falsehood is unrighteousness? Is falsehood anything other than unrighteous? No. They're going to believe the lie. They have pleasure in unrighteousness, those who believe the lie. And esteeming others better than self is the best way that we can get out of that dangerous, self-centric position that the rest of the world is in. Esteeming self better than others is unrighteousness. Because the Word of God says, don't be that way. And so if we are that way, we are carrying ourselves in an unrighteous manner. We're warned against having pleasure in unrighteousness, having pleasure, and we can put the word in selfishness there. Looking down one's nose at others is wickedness. I remember hearing a preacher one time, he said he was walking to the church building, and he heard a couple of people walking in front of him talking, and they said, oh, I'll never go in there. They think they're better than everybody else. I don't think I'm better than anybody else. I am equal except that God, by His sovereign will, has chosen me to stand here and prepare messages so that you can hear from His Word in a way that He has for you to hear from His Word. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12, we hear our Lord say, "...whoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted." And He's the living example of that. He's been exalted to the right hand of the Father. 
Oh, the world put him down. The world beat him down. The world killed him. But God exalted him. And this is our position as followers of Christ. We are to allow God to humble us. To humble us. And we are to submit to that humbling. You know, the first shall be last. It's written in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 30. This was our Lord that said that. And also in Matthew 20 and verse 16. It's written there in Philippians, we just read, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Don't just take care of yourself, take care of others. I think as a body, we do that very well here. We do everything we can to assist others. God has built up a food giveaway program here that we never imagined just a year ago. God did that. We have, by His grace, served thousands of people throughout Butler County, Armstrong County, and also Clarion County, and we've had some come as far as Venango County down to us because they heard that we were giving food away. That's God! It's not us! It's Him! And we humbled ourselves under His sovereign will, and He provided everything that we need, and He still is. Apparently, He's got more work for us to do because He has more equipment coming. And praise God, okay, that's not what I wanted to do. But see, I am not in control when I surrender to Him and His will. In Mark chapter 12, it's written, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. How much? Part of it? A little part? A corner? A section? A piece? All. It says all. Okay. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. How much of your soul should be invested in God? All. Okay. And with all your mind, right? What, how much of your mind? All of your mind. Okay. And then with all of your strength. All. Yeah. Okay. And this is the first commandment. And the second, this is our Lord speaking. He said the second, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor uh, as you see fit. Now, what's it say there? Uh, as yourself. Yeah. There's no other commandment greater than these. That's what he said. And he's the one we claim to follow, right? He's the one that we say we're following. He's the one that we say we're modeling our lives after. And so if he said we're to love God supremely and love others as ourselves, does that mean that there's any room in there for us to exalt ourselves above God or to exalt ourselves above others? There's not even a little bit of room. There's no place for it. All right. So we got that, right? In Philippians chapter 2, we read this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. No reputation. He wasn't this guy boasting of himself. Because he was, in fact the anointed one of God. But he didn't go around saying, I'm anointed of God. No, he didn't do that. He did what God had for him to do. You let this mind be in you, he says. He took upon himself the form of a servant or a bond servant. Was made in the likeness of men. Humbled himself, became obedient to death. How many of us, honestly would submit ourselves to the will of God to that point. How many of us 
would submit ourselves to the point of where God says, okay, it's your time, and I'm going to take your life, and I'm going to be glorified through it. Do you know how many martyrs have done that? I don't think anybody knows the number. Martyr means testimony. They testify through their death that they lived and loved Him unto death. That's absolute Christ-likeness. And I'm not suggesting that you go out, and there was a time when people were running out to get martyred because they thought, that's the way I can show the world that I'm like Christ. That's not what he wants. But when he calls, you answer. How many of us would humble ourselves to the point of death for others? How many of us would humble ourselves to the point of death for God? See, that's absolute selflessness. Now, who was the original selfish one? I'm going to just carry my notes with me because I'm not wanting to stand behind this today. Who was the original selfish one? Satan. We all know that, right? Those of us who've been in the church for any length of time, we know it was the devil, right? Okay. I want us to open God's Word to Isaiah chapter 14, and we're going to read what's written about this one that's called Satan, the devil, the serpent, Lucifer. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And then Isaiah says, No. You shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Now I added the emphasis there on the screen. What did he do to deserve being cast out of the presence of his creator? Five times he said, I will. Five times. And God said, no, you got to go. Don't let any of us think that we can be lost in self and expect to gain entrance into that place that we call heaven. It isn't. For us, if we are lost in ourselves. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. But then Isaiah speaks a deep and abiding truth. You shalt be brought down to hell. God have mercy. Satan's eyes show that he originated the evil eye. You see, because God said, I am. And Satan said, I will. Let's look at a passage of Scripture that's found in the third chapter of 2 Timothy. Beginning at verse 1, we hear this. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men, and we can say and women, for people, shall be lovers of their own selves, 
covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, which means headstrong, high-minded, which means haughty, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. From such, stay away. And what's the very first peril listed there? We say it's going to be perilous times, right? Lovers of their own selves. The very first thing. He could have said they're going to have a form of godliness, but they're going to deny His power. He could have said they're going to be traitors. That's a pretty perilous thing, right? Somebody's a traitor against you or against God, right? No, He said lovers of self. Why is that? That's the biggest evil eye. The original evil eye. Men and women who love themselves above Almighty God are committing that sin. Men and women who love themselves above anyone else are committing that sin. And just like Lucifer, these days men and women love themselves above other people. And they love themselves above God. It's the very first warning of peril. Self-love is a very present danger in our world today. And not just in our world, but in the church. Many exalt themselves above God. Instead of humbling themselves before Him, they are under a great delusion. That is troubling to me. It's, God has laid this heavy on me. Now, I know that His burden is light. But let me tell you, folks, sometimes as a preacher... As a teacher, he burdens me with something, and I am burdened by this. I am certain that Almighty God wants to purge selfishness from the body of Christ. I'm absolutely certain about that. I have no doubt about it, and this is why I speak so strongly on it. Instead of exalting ourselves above God, we need to humble ourselves before Him. Selfishness is iniquity, period. Egotists, narcissists, and conceited people are in grave danger, and we need to pray for them. We must pray. I say grave danger. I mean that in both sense of the word. The lovers of self may be extremely sensitive to criticism. I have personally experienced it myself. When you stand as a preacher or a teacher and you try to bring something, and there's a great resistance to it, you have to wonder why. Not stepping on any toes here, I hope, but it's the truth, folks. It's been happening for the 15 years or so that Chris and I, 16 years that we've been serving. People that are passively aggressive and envious, they, they bear grudges and they despise true authority. They don't want to stand under the authority that God has placed. They want to stand over it. They've exalted their sense of self-importance. And selfish people can be either overtly selfish or covertly selfish. And you know, I got these words from a medical dictionary. 
I don't remember which one. I didn't save it. I don't, it's not exactly as it's written because it was right. It was speaking of a lot of different things. These aren't exactly my words. The overt or openly selfish people are obvious to most others, but the covert ones, they're hidden. They're not always obvious at first, but they often present themselves as vulnerable. Male and female lovers of self have infiltrated the churches, and they believe that they're special. They believe that they're unique. They think that they can only be understood by other special or unique people or other exalted people because they have exalted themselves to such a degree that they think only others who are that exalted can they fellowship with. They seek to associate with those who feed their conceitedness, their ego, and their exalted sense of self. And I've seen this throughout my time in ministry also. I see it in the world all the time. And we call it what? Clicks, right? Isn't that what it's called? Clicks. These people require excessive admiration. They have a sense of entitlement that even as they take advantage of others, they can't see the wrong in it. They lack empathy. But they try to conceal this fact by pretending to care even as they act arrogantly and haughty. And that's the picture of Jezebel. Jezebel exalted herself above the prophets of God. And even as she was preparing for her death, she had to make sure that her makeup was just right. Pride goes before destruction. It's written in Proverbs 16 and verse 18. And a haughty spirit before a fall. And those who are extremely selfish usurp true authority, and they even claim that others are overriding their authority, as they themselves are usurping true authority. Lovers of self despise authority. They're presumptuous and self-willed. Their goal is to usurp the authority that God has given. I can't tell you how many times people have come into this building and tried to take over, and God says, no! It's His house of worship. And until He removes the people that He has serving here, whether they be on the music team or yours truly or anybody else that's behind the scenes, it is His house of worship. It will always be His house of worship. We will worship Him by His Word, which is true. This is our plumb line. This is what we guide ourselves by. No matter what any human teaching says, no matter what any human doctrine says, no matter what any person says, no matter what any person does, we go by the Word of Almighty God. And that will never change as long as I'm here. I can't promise you after God takes me out of here. But as long as I'm here, that's what it's going to be about. Too often we see this within the body of Christ. Instead of humbling themselves under the anointing that they're given by God, they exalt themselves above it. Instead of humbling themselves under the anointing that God has given others, they exalt themselves above it. Instead of being equal, they place themselves over and that, as we've read in Philippians, is sin. It is iniquity. It is wickedness. And God wants to purge it from the body of Christ. 
Absent repentance, these are they who suffer greatly in the end. Thus it is written. I can prophesy that because it is written. It is God's word for all time. It is settled here and in heaven. Like Lucifer, they too, if they do not repent, are reserved for darkness. That's not what we want. We want all to come into the light. We want all to recognize the truth of God's Word as the guide for their lives. These are wells without water. They're clouds that are carried with a tempest. Remember, the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. The selfish creature was cunning. Oh, my. On the streets, we might say he was slick. She believed his lies. She believed his lies. He opposed God. He exalted himself above God. And he used lies to get Eve to do the same. He told her eating the fruit would make her like God. That appealed to herself. I'll be like God. Yeah, let me have a bite. Right? Led her to become captive by sin. And therefore, each of us owe a great debt of gratitude to Almighty God for freeing us from that sin which came upon the world whenever Eve exalted herself above Almighty God. And that's what it comes down to, folks. She made that choice. God said, don't. She said, I shall. And what happened then? We all were born in this sinful world. Many others before us. We have selfish people in the body of Christ who capture others. They're looking for self-satisfaction under the guise of Christianity. They want what they want. Remember what's written in Matthew chapter 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, inwardly they are ravening wolves. They come to you looking like sheep. They may act like sheep. In most ways, they may be exactly like every other sheep in the body. But they're not, because inwardly, they're ravenous wolves looking for the blood of believers. We must beware, our Lord said to. He said, beware the false prophets. Behold, it's written in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And that was then, some 2,000 years ago or so. And I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. And what did he tell them? Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. If anyone lacks wisdom, what does the Word tell them to do? To ask, and God will give you wisdom. Do you want to be wise as serpents? Ask God. He says that level of wisdom can be had. If it wasn't able to be had, he wouldn't have said to be wise as serpents. I'm not going to go into teaching about what that means exactly. Just ask God for wisdom so that you can see, that you can hear, that you can discern the truth from error. 
The wolves in sheep's clothing serve themselves at the expense of Christ, and because of them, the name of God is blasphemed. That's what His Word says. Many are like wolves, ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. That's written in God's Word. But I forgot the quote. I didn't put it in my notes, and I didn't put it in the slides, so I apologize for that. It wasn't her. Don't blame her. It was me. Now, there I can take credit for something, right? <laughs> I'm the guy that made the mistake, not Tony. She does a great job, and I praise God for what she does, and for her mom who does the songs. They're like wolves. Nevertheless, in 2 Timothy, the 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, it is written, The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Repent! That's what He's telling these people that are running rampant in the body of Christ, selfish people. He's saying, repent. If you name the name of Christ, turn from that iniquity. And the reason for this sermon is simple. We are in perilous times, folks. There's no doubt in my mind about that whatsoever. We may not live selfishly while at the same time proclaiming Christ is our Lord. We can't say we're like Christ when we're the opposite. Because Christ was selfless. He was not selfish. That doesn't mean He didn't take care of His needs. He bathed when He need to, needed to. He ate when He needed to. And He fasted. It's a form of humbling self, by the way. I think this church at some point in time, this congregation that meets here, we're going to go into a time of fasting collectively, together. Missing a meal or two is not going to kill any of us. I can guarantee you that. Christ was selfless. In 2 Corinthians Chapter 11 and verse 3, hear what's written, I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, do you know that this is my concern for this congregation? These exact words, they jumped off the page at me as I was reading them. I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. This is my heart on the matter of selfishness. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. You've got to get this, okay? The simplicity of Christ. Let's go there for a moment, all right? What does that mean? It means simple, single-hearted loyalty. It means sincerity without self-seeking. It means selflessness. I do not want anyone who hears me speak not get this message. This is directly from the heart of God through His Word. It lines right up with His Word, folks. This is not just Pastor John Pistorius saying, don't be selfish. This is the Word of Almighty God as it is written and stands for all time. And I know that it's not one of those messages that makes you feel good. It's not like cotton candy that fills up your mouth. But let me tell you, it's also not like cotton candy that's going to be leaving your stomach empty. You're going to have meat when you leave here today. Praise be to God for that. You know, Christ was selfless. Being selfish is hypocrisy. It's one of the greatest crimes 
in the Christian church. Hypocrisy. That serpent, the devil, Satan, the enemy of souls has crept into the church with subtlety. Very subtly he's snuck in. And he has agents in the body of Christ who operate for him as wolves in sheep's clothing. He's tricked people into believing that they're like God. He's deceived God's people into worshiping self instead of God, all the while believing that they are worshiping God. We need to stop. And you know, our praise and worship team here, we wrestle with this every week, folks. You all don't see it. We're here sometimes for hours discussing the truth of God's Word, discussing the lyrics of songs that we sing, and any one of them will tell you, true or false, Hope, uh, Eric, John, Todd, Cindy, wherever Cindy's hiding today, there she is. We wrestle with this. We're striving to lead everyone that's present in this building into the worship of Almighty God, our Creator, and not into worshiping self and no other created being. We're seeking to include God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit in every song that we do. If those words, those names, those titles are not in the songs, we're putting them in. So if you are familiar with some of the songs that we're singing, you say, wait a minute, I don't remember that. That's why. In some places it says he, 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 over and over and over, but not one mention of Christ, not one mention of God, not one mention of the Holy Spirit. And I personally believe that is blasphemy. If we're going to be singing to and about God, we need to let people know we're singing to and about God. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons why that that has changed is because the name or the word God or Christ or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, have become offensive in the world today. And the Christian Dove Music Awards don't require it to be there. Not to be Christian. It doesn't have to say God. It doesn't have to say Christ. It doesn't have to say Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to say Jesus. It doesn't have to say Yeshua or Yahashua. It just has to have some principles and concepts that come out of the Bible. That's in their description of what's required to be considered for their Dove Awards. Sometimes we have to change a word or two. And the words that we change are usually personal pronouns. We change some of the eyes to we or to our to take the focus away from self and place it on the collective body, the unity of the body. This is important. God's Word makes it clear we are to be a united body. Not divided. The divided will fall. It's not about I. It's about Him and all of us worshiping Him. We also change some of the hymns and His and Your and You and He pronouns to God or Christ or the Holy Spirit or Jesus. There are some songs that are absent. They have no reference to God whatsoever. And as I look at the songs, I say, wow. Okay, we know we're singing about God, or we're singing to Christ, or whatever, but anybody who'd walk in here that had no knowledge would have no idea. We could be, it could be on the, on the country music station, it could be on the pop radio station, it could be anywhere, and it's in the church. And if we're going to be bringing music in this 
building. It needs to be about or it needs to be to Almighty God or His Christ or the Holy Spirit or whomever it is that we're singing to, whether it be Jesus, Yeshua, Yahashua. We take the focus off of us and put it on Him. We want everybody to know that we're singing to God or to Christ or to the Holy Spirit. We want, to know, we want everybody to know we're singing about Christ, God, Holy Spirit. But you know, the enemy of souls hates that with a passion. He hates it with a passion. And he rears his ugly head and says, no, we don't need to do that. I'm telling you, I know, I'm certain, I'm positive, and I'm using those personal pronouns intentionally because I'm not putting it off on anybody else. I'll take the blame. If you think it's wrong to change lyrics, you come and see me because I'll explain to you with God's Word why it is not wrong to do that. There's many songwriters that avoid using God or Christ or Jesus or the Holy Spirit because they want wide acceptance of their work. That's the reason. It has nothing to do with anything else. It's not like, okay, we know who we're singing to. The devil is subtle. If we're singing, oh, he, 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 him, 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 his, 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 he can take that and make it about him. And I'm not willing to let that happen. Not in this building. And since many of the current songs are simple and repetitive, we can usually make the needed changes without much difficulty. We want to glorify God, not self. So we sing to and about God, not self. We want to uplift the name of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, not self. We want to make it absolutely clear who we're singing to and about. And I hope that that doesn't offend anybody. We've had some wrestling matches in our team meetings for the music, and we've all come to understand it's God's will that we not sing about us when we're claiming to worship Him. We want to make it absolutely clear. Being vague is not acceptable because the enemy of souls is subtly deceptive. Nobody who's filled with the Holy Spirit and follows Christ and worships Almighty God would object to such changes. Would we? Anybody? Would we object to glorifying God with our mouths, with the words that describe Him? No. Nor should we. And as I wrap this up, I want each of you to purpose in your heart to worship only our Creator. That's what's important, folks. I believe we are in days that have been foretold, perilous days. Pay cl close attention to the words that you use in your everyday conversation. If you hear yourself talking about you more than others or God, put a little change in your language. Catch yourself. If your focus is on God and others second, then... Your language will bear good fruit. It will reflect your love's focus. Where are you loving? Are you loving God completely and loving others as yourself? Your language will tell you. The serpent's still more subtle than any other created being. And I think if we change our language, we change our focus. Let's go forth loving God supremely and others equally as ourselves.
because according to him, that's the highest law. That's the one that he is going to judge us by. And if I'm standing in this pulpit to call all of you into his presence, then I want you to get that. Yes, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And if there's anybody here that doesn't know Him, I want you to come forward and we will pray for you that you get to know Him. If you believe in Him, you will not perish. He will give you a new life. And the Scripture calls it being born again, transformed into the image of Christ. Christ-likeness is selflessness. Let's all go forward with that in mind as we continue to live our lives so long as God allows us to, glorifying Him and Him alone. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, that You have brought from Your Word, Your truth, that we can be selfless people that we can be like Christ, not just give lip service to being like Christ, but that we can actually be like Christ, that we can walk in the way that He walked, living our lives the way that He lived, selflessly. I pray this in His mighty and majestic name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, if I could have some helpers, we'll receive an offering. I thank you all who have given my wife and I gifts. We deeply appreciate that. We do not receive a paycheck, and we want it that way. We don't need the church to be burdened with a paycheck. If God leads you to give, just make sure it's indicated so that we know that that is, in fact, for yours truly. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would bless us in our giving, that you would anoint us, Lord, in giving today, that we would do so according to your will for our lives. We know that we cannot outgive you. We know that you want cheerful givers, and so let us put a smile on our face as you lead us to give what it is that you would have us give today. And all of God's people said, amen. amen.